Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, my good friend Jay Scotty St. Clair joins me to talk about Madam Web, but also we finally have our fantastic forecasting and we have an X-Men 97 trailer, so we're going to talk about that too, all that right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today is Jay Scotty St. Clair. What is up, buddy? Hey, I am doing really, really well. What a week to be a Marvel fan, am I right? Yeah, for real. Tons of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, Madam Web, uh, we'll discuss whether that was good or bad sure. to be a Marvel fan this week <laughs> when it comes to that, but that'll be an intense discussion, probably a heated debate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> will excited. i will i will i like even this one you guys will i <laughs> stick around and find out uh, uh but first let's talk a little bit about this fantastic forecasting yeah yeah we finally have it definitely for definitely. those of you who, for those of you who don't know pedro pascal as reed richards uh joseph quinn of stranger things played eddie as uh johnny storm mm-hmm. um vanessa kirby as sue storm and Ebon Musbachrock as the thing. Uh, what, what's your take, man? What do you think? Yeah, so the way this casting was kind of revealed, it, it was an interesting morning because I thought, you know, revealing it being an Instagram post like for Valentine's Day was an incredibly subdued way to do this. But that being said, I was I was so excited. You know, we had our message group for Multiverse News, like going back and forth when they revealed the logo first, and then we got the the official you know artwork with all these cast members. And it's it's one of those situations like we have known for a long time, or we've suspected like this is going to be the cast, but to f- finally have it officially confirmed, get get a release date, get some artwork, get some logos, and like know that this is going to be set with a '60s aesthetic, like. Um, you know, I, I'm more excited about some of the cast members than others. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, but I think every mm. single one of these actors is talented and serviceable. And uh, you know, that that being said, I'm I'm really excited that this project is finally moving forward. How about you? Don't you know? Don't prime me up with that, and then like it, it, it leave me there. Okay. Who who are you less excited about? Give break it down. Break uh, it down. Okay. All right, all right. Well, spill the tea, well, Scotty. Let me let me start with who I am the most excited for, and that is Vanessa Kirby. I think she is just pitch perfect casting. We talk about like actors on the rise. Like Marvel needs to do a job of like you know 
pulling from a stable of talent that aren't quite yet household names and like make recognizable characters out of these actors. And I think Vanessa Kirby is perfect for that. Um, the ones that the, well, the one that I'm not as excited for, I'll be honest is Pedro. And I, I've kind of been on record. It's just, it feels like the safe choice and you've been on record. Haley's been on record. Like maybe Marvel needs the safe choice with Reed Richards. And, you know, thinking about the fact that it sounds like Sue Storm is going to be playing a more of a lead role than Reed. Maybe Pedro is the perfect guy, but just right now he is the one that just kind of like, yeah, he works. He's a safe choice, but he just doesn't really like excite me all that much. It's really interesting. Okay. I could not disagree more. Sure. I do not think he's safe at all. Okay. I think that John Krasinski was safe. Okay. Like sticking with John Krasinski would be like, yeah, he is for one thing, uh, just, just white man. Like the, the, just, just the kind of colorblind casting on that role, mm-hmm. uh, going with a Chilean, uh, actor as your, uh, you know, just a South American actor as your, like, Marvel first family Reed Richards is sure. like it's a bold choice. It's it's colorblind casting, and you know you know I I'm all about that. I'm all for that. Sure. Um, but it's not safe. Like there is going to be pushback on that from mm. certain quarters. Um, once this, I think there's going to be some small, even if it's small, some backlash from that. We're gonna hear it on YouTube. We're gonna hear it on. Uh, whatever on on Reddit, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but like, it, I think that Pedro is also not safe in that he has done a lot of roles, and I talked about this in a video. We I don't think we we haven't really used it yet, so I'll just say it like it's fresh. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th- there's a th- I think a lot of the roles he's played has prepared him well for this. Mm-hmm. Joel from Last of Us is this character who's like cares about his family his his found family so much that he's willing to make incredibly hard decisions even like world ending decisions for sure and like that is reed richards like that is like the calculation of like the people he cares about versus galactic intergalactic multiversal stakes like he's had to wrestle with those types of uh big decisions before and done a really good job with joel sure um i think his uh, his Oberon on Game of Thrones is this like overconfident, very different character that I'm sure he'll be here. Sure, but like very, uh, very different, but like very overconfident, which is something we need. Something we need in um, uh, a Reed Richards. And then you've got the Mandalorian, of course, for this father figure vibes. That, you know, everybody says he's like the father of the internet right now. Right, so like, right. da- Daddy Pedro. <laughs> like, I think that like he. I just think he's. I've been. I've been on. I've been very excited for him. Like I think I'm most excited for him. Okay. In in this group, but I'm really excited for all four. Honestly, sure, sure, sure. Like all four of these work really well for me. But the thing that the thing that is also not safe about it, in my opinion, okay, is that I think Pedro, while he's done a lot of things, like I said, his body of work is broad. Okay. I don't think he's ever played a Reed Richards like character. Like okay. he's played a lot of things that are shades of Reed Richards and mm-hmm. could be father figure, blah, 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 all the things I just said, but he's never done. I the don't smartest know. Smartest man like, in the room. Yes. Yeah, smartest man in the room. Right. Never done that. That's, I've never seen that up from sure. Pedro. Um, I've also never seen him uh, do sort of like very, Dealing with, he's not he's not a Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. He, he's but he is like 
they are celebrities in the comics. You know what I right. mean? He still yeah. has to deal with that sort of, I've never really seen him deal with that sort of a thing where he's like, you, you get a little bit of that from Oberon, no? He's kind of got that, that cult of personality. The swagger. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't wear it the same way that Reed does, but it, he, he's, right. he's dealing with the limelight in a similar way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, that's a good point. My, I guess my, my, my excitement, though, comes from, I just think about all of the different roles he's played. Yeah. And they are very different. Sure. Like, he disappears into his roles, and I'm excited to see what he does with the Reed Richards character and how he makes it his own. Sure. But how he also disappears into it. Because I think about him, all three of those characters we just talked about, very different. Mm -hmm. But then you've also got characters like um, the really silly character from uh, Unbearable Massive uh, Talent, whatever. The the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, yeah. He's so silly in that. And that's just a completely different corner of his ability. And so I just think he's got a broad talent base and I'm really excited to see what weirdness he comes up with for Reed Richards. Yeah, you lay out a really strong argument and I don't disagree with any of that. And that being said, when I when I describe this this casting as safe, like that is not coming from a place of disappointment at all. Like I I am fully confident that Pedro, he exudes talent, he exudes charisma. I have no doubt that he will be you know, pardon the pun here, but fantastic in the role. It's just, (laughs) instead of like disappointment, it's just like, I guess a lack of excitement. And when I say it's a safe choice, it's, it's kind of the argument that you're making. He really is so proven and he's like been a touchstone in so many franchises. Mm. I think just a little bit of a fresher face and unproven talent Hmm. might've excited me a little, a little bit more, but no, uh, everything you bring up is solid. And with the, you know, the decision to cast a person that is that is not white, that is, you know, South American. You're right, that is not safe. But I, I guess that just comes from my kind of like maybe blind optimism that maybe we're we're kind of getting like past that at this point. That I wasn't even really phased by that factor of it. But you're you're totally right. There will be corners of the internet and the fandom that have an issue with that. And in that sense, it is not safe. So. Yeah, I just think about like John Krasinski worked so well, partially because he just feels like a Reed Richards from the comics. Like he even feels kind of lanky. Like he yeah, feel sure. he felt like he just fit it so well. When you see him on screen, you're like, yeah, that's Reed Richards. Like that yeah. works. And like Pedro doesn't look like I think of Reed Richards from the comics. Sure. And like I think that's great. It'll expand our view of what that character, who that character is, and bring representation for more people. Um, and that is such a small and inconsequential part of who he is mm-hmm. um, that I think it's going to be great. Um, moving, I know we spent a lot of time on Pedro, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but I really wanted to know, like, who do you not like so much? And I, I remember you saying that now that, yeah, you, sure, now that sure. you mentioned it um, a while back on Multiverse News, I think. Right, right. Um, but uh, I also just love the idea of uh, Vanessa Kirby. I have seen way less of her stuff, mm-hmm. but what I've seen from her, I really, really like. Yeah. And that's really just uh, the Mission Impossible franchise, but she is, she just comes across as incredibly intelligent. She comes across as uh, charismatic and like powerful Definitely. as a character. Definitely. Um, and that's that's all I, that's all the experience I have with her, and I, I'm sure I'm assuming you've, you've seen more from her. Well, the the Mission Impossible movies, I'll be honest, are kind of like my first touch point for her. But she just recently popped up in Napoleon, and I thought, you know, of all the performances in Napoleon, she was definitely the standout. And I was kind of hoping she would get some recognition. But um, if I'm not mistaken, she popped up in Hobbs and Shaw as, yeah, as well. I, I don't know that. what kind of role. I didn't see that, but 
I cannot remember okay. what role she played okay. in that. Like okay. it was before I knew who she was. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I like her and I, and I agree with you. I like the idea of them casting new people that are less proven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, and like even Pedro is a proven force, but still on like the big screen, like the big franchise movies. Sure. He hasn't really stepped into that. Um, he's, he's stepped into all the franchises, yeah. but not like the big franchise movies. And so I, you know, I think he, he even is less proven. It's not like they're going with like, I don't know, John Krasinski or Brad Pitt or something, you know, like that, like for sure, some like level of fame. It's a little, or has been doing this kind of even stuff. Even Adam Driver, like that was a name that was banned yeah. about that. I was actually oh, yeah. pretty excited for, but still that's a much more proven entity on the big screen than, than Pedro to your point. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. On the big screen. Yeah. It's interesting to compare those two because I feel, I feel like they're at a similar level, mm. but on the big screen, sure. Pedro just seems like he has a lot less uh, experience. Uh, he's been mostly a TV actor. Um, yeah. Uh, Joseph Quinn, killer in uh, Stranger Things. I don't know if it's going to be... Uh, I, that character is so specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can just say, really charismatic, really fun to watch, uh, a lot of heart in Eddie. Okay. And I'm, I haven't seen anything else from Joseph Quinn, I don't think. I haven't even seen Stranger Things 4, but just the the fervor and the fandom around his his character of Eddie Munson. And from what I've heard, he only gets like 15 minutes of screen time, but people have just latched onto him and love him so much. And you, you talk about an unproven entity, but it was really the promotional artwork here. Like it's not even his actual face. It is a a, a digitally altered, like, you know, illustration of his face but still they captured his essence and just the boyish charm and expression of of joy that he has on his face while he's looking at the thing and you can kind of tell he probably just like you know stuck him with a one-liner and a jab and he's just like you know waiting for his reaction like i was just sold a hundred percent on just that image i was like this Mm -hmm. is johnny storm this is a johnny storm of the 60s this looks like vanessa kirby's little brother i can see this guy interacting with with all of these people and 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 you know kind of being the the little kid of the of the group yeah, yeah. he has in in stranger thing he has real like um thinks a lot of himself hmm. but under the surface there's a there's definitely like some insecurities oh, and nice. i think that works really well for johnny storm definitely. like because he is very much like yeah i'm a bad at, like i am he's he's haughty and and he's sort of a hot head which i think is another element of his character as eddie okay um it's just interesting because like i don't it would have like one touch point for someone say i feel the same way with even most bachrock like i have one touch point for them and i want to draw these connections and the funny thing is there are a lot of connections to draw but it's like they're actors. They have a lot of other things, I'm sure. But speaking of Ibon Mos Bakrak, his bear, his character on the bear mm-hmm. is a character that feels really, really unmoored. And have you seen the bear? I've watched the pilot and it stressed me out okay. so bad that I couldn't That's go back. Right. But I remember his character in particular kind of being the source of a lot of the, like the chaos yes. and the unhinged and unraveling that you're kind of unmoored and unraveling that you're talking yeah. about there. And yeah. and he is, and I think a lot of the arc of his character is finding a place that he feels um, valuable. Okay. Like he feels very... Uh, uh, he he puts on a b- big face and puts a lot of like he's very like angry with everybody and but he's 
he's really just like feeling like he's valueless. Mm. And then over time he learns to find a way to bring value to those around him and like become a part of the team. Mm. And it's really powerful to see that transition. And I think, and like, even though he's been kind of an a-hole to everyone, which can be a thing. I don't know. The the character of the thing has all of these elements, you know, people give those, those, Tim Story films from the uh, the two thousands a, a lot of crap, but I, I will say like Michael Chiklis as as the thing I thought he did a pretty good mm-hmm. job kind of portraying that kind of like I had a life now I am this monster like how do I reconcile that so you know I, I from yeah. what I've seen of Ebon Moss Bakrik I feel like he's you know probably capable of delivering that in even more spades than Michael Chiklis. <laughs> but I, I also can't help but think of the fact, like, and I, and I, I did mention this on the little like supercut we did for Multiverse News. But I think a lot of people forget that even Moss Bakrak, he did appear in Punisher season one as Micro, and like we yes. just got so much news that officially like canonized, you know, the Netflix series. And sure, uh, what was her name? Alfie Woodard, she appeared in you know Luke Cage and Civil mm-hmm. War, but that that didn't feel like as much of a significant role as as what we're getting with both of these roles from from Ebon. Mahershala Ali was played Cottonmouth. Oh that's yeah, the big one that's that, right. Yeah, that's the big the the big one that really like yeah that was he was a big part of that first season of Luke Cage. Yeah, definitely. And I then forgot he's, about that. <laughs> he's going to be Blade. Like yeah. that, so. Well, I th- I can divorce those things. I, I can't can just say do. I it, can't. Do. People can look similar, you yeah, know. Like, sure. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah. So, what do you think of the style that they chose for this Happy Valentine's Day from the Fantastic Four? I, I loved it. I loved it. It mm-hmm. felt like promotional artwork right out of like a, a Life magazine from the 1960s. How about yes. you? Yes, it does. I love it. Um, and it being the same director. As WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Like, and we've, we've speculated that that might mean that they're, they're going to set it in the 60s and make them like the Marvel first family, either in the one, either 616 universe or in another universe. We're mm-hmm. not sure yet. But um, this kind of fe- feels like it's confirmation. They don't say that, but it feels like they're in the 60s. Um, and particularly the little 60s style robot that's Kirby. like their little. What's his name? The, yeah, the character's name is Herbie. Oh, see, I, I I saw that he was from the comics, but I didn't. I don't know the character. Yeah, well, I'm not going to pretend like I knew the character from the comics either. But I just I retained that information after, you know, reading various breakdowns and and what have you. Nice, <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah, so little Herbie serving uh the thing coffee. Like, yeah, I think that's going to be really good. Like th- having a little robot friend, you know. Yeah. Droid, droids are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know we're not here to do like a full breakdown of the Fantastic Four, but you brought up the the mention of like this being set in the '60s, and I've heard, I've seen the conversation, I've heard the conversation. Like, is this the '60s of the sacred timeline of the MCU? Or are we actually going to be visiting another universe? And like, mm-hmm. I could go either direction with it, but I do think if they go the latter route, like that just gives gives them a lot more freedom um, to really like relish in that 1960s period and have them be the celebrities that we saw them be in the comics and then also just like considering what we're gearing towards here with secret wars like if you have you know like this faction from the the fantastic four from the Mm -hmm. 1960s and then you have like the x-men which we'll we'll talk about but we very much could have the x-men coming from that that animated series like that could be our secret wars the mcu meets this fantastic four meets the x-men and then whatever dr doom is doing (laughs) 
Yeah. It's yeah. it's shaping up to be weird, man. Yeah. Um so uh, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. We, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more uh in in future episodes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we'll be talking about it this week on Multiverse News. We have been speculating and talking about all of the rumors about fantastic forecasting basically since our show uh, <laughs> Multiverse News came into being. Yes. Uh, one of our first weeks where they started talking about Adam Driver, so we've been like on every rumor and change and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good to finally have that resolved. <laughs> <laughs> this is something uh, that Jay can stop. Jay Sisson can stop complaining about. Yeah, uh, for sure. He's gonna <laughs> rest a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> he was really struggling with all the rumors. Like I don't want to hear any more rumors. Uh, all right. Uh, also, just real quick, we'll we'll touch on the X Men '97. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into Madam Web, uh, trailer for X Men '97 looks awesome to me. Looks pretty freaking cool. I will say the standout moment is when you have Gambit kinetically charging Wolverine's claws. Oh, yeah. that looks so badass. That is such a fun thing that we we haven't yet to be able to see uh, in any. I don't know of any animated or live action form where that has happened. And that's so cool. I'm, I don't doubt it's happened in the comic book somewhere, but like, Oh sure. That's yeah. a really cool idea. And I just love seeing characters use their powers together. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was this the first time we got that Marvel animation logo like that? Like I know we'd seen, you know, and what if they did the Marvel studios with kind of like the painterly swash the first season, but I'm, I'm struggling to remember if we saw Marvel animation or Marvel studios in the second I'm season. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, okay. I, and I don't know, like, I don't know if there's a difference in the studios that make those things. Like if somehow, because Marvel studios means a specific thing and it has all those same actors and all this stuff. I don't know if Marvel animation where we're doing like the, X-Men 97 and Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Right. I don't know if those are going to exist in the same universes, and I don't know if they are considered like a different studio. Like, I don't know if the people producing them are all the same. I really don't know. And I hope they are, because I really do love the idea that we'll get, like, it looks like, based on the Deadpool trailer, we're going to see multiple versions of Wolverine. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I'd love to see that, like, some of the versions we see, one of the versions of the characters we get to see need to be these animated oh, yeah. animated oh, yeah. X-Men that we all loved as kids. Like, so many of us grew up. This is, like, our foray into Marvel For as sure. children, you know? For sure. So, I just think the my my whole takeaway on the trailer is it just, it feels so much like my childhood, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it makes me want to go back and rewatch all the old ones before this one starts. I've already started watching some old breakdowns and stuff of oh, like great. the old seasons yeah. to sort of like get myself into it. Um, pretty excited. Are you ready for Magneto to be the uh, the head of the school? Can you handle that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that in comics, the version, when that happens in comics, when he becomes headmaster, uh, Charles Xavier is not dead. He's like in space. Oh, okay. So I, and, and in the last episode of the animated series... Charles did not die. He went to space. Okay. So, like, I don't know. But in the end, he's, like, showing the last will and testament. Yeah. So, and, and we see a uh, a casket being lowered into the ground, and that looked like a newer we, animation. Okay. We definitely saw, you know, archival footage from the, the original series. Yeah. So. Oh, interesting. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know if they're making a change to how that ended. Huh. Like, they're going to say it ch- ended differently than it did. Okay. Or 
but it, it did not apparently i this is a, a, a breakdown i watched i normally don't watch any breakdowns i've stayed away from the internet until i podcast normally sure but, uh, sure sure uh i did catch one one breakdown that was talking about how like that last episode he ends up going off into space with someone to cure his disease uh, he doesn't actually die. Uh, I, so I think he was strange. romantically entangled with um, Shi'ar Empire. Lady yeah, or someone something. that was like either showed up in Dark Phoenix or was rumored to show up in Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that that whole thing it, it, it is weird that he's made it, it. It alludes to him being dead, but in the in the cart in the trailer, right? Right. For sure. That is not what happened at the end. So unless like that happens immediately after what we saw in the animated show. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. Well, we'll find out, uh, you know, about a month and a half here, right at the end of March. Yeah, I immediately start headcanoning, like, maybe they had to say he's dead for the world. Yeah, well, And then, you know, like, uh-uh. they, he's off in space somewhere, but they had to say, tell the world he's dead. Then, you know, something, and then Magneto shows up to claim his will or whatever Hmm. i don't know i don't know man no that's that's a good point and it's worth mentioning like the fact that this is x-men 97 like this is a direct continuation to that 90s series and like one of the great things about that 90s series is how it it you know it was a kid's show but it took that element of the x-men that was like hey we are encountering like bigotry and 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 adversity and diversity and it, it kind of like put a spotlight on it and it seems like this series is going to be doing the exact same thing like they're still facing human threats so maybe they need that strong show of force from magneto um to kind of lead them into a new future yeah absolutely man <sighs> well all right um i think it's time to talk about madam web okay let's get a little spoiler free action for those who have not seen it Jay Scotty, should people go see Madam Web? Your mileage will vary, but I will say <laughs> it is worth the price of admission. Okay. What okay. do you say? I like that. I uh man, it's hard. <laughs> sure. Yeah, go see it. Go see it. <laughs> Um, I, like, like I'm thinking, I, I'm sitting here thinking about like the actual like ethics of going to see this movie. Like, does it is it? It's kind of worse for the Marvel ecosystem to go see this movie in a way Ooh, because okay. it's like you know you're you're encouraging them to create more movies like this. Mm. Which I, I I have hot takes on this movie. Okay, but on the whole, should people see it or not? It's not it's not good. Right. I'll say that. It's not good. Right. But if a few small changes had been made, it really could have been. Mm. Like there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. And I think if you also if you weigh it on a different scale, okay. I think this is a pretty serviceable and fine movie. With a bad lead actress. Okay. It's interesting you say that. Okay, so I think I can still safely say this while we're in the spoiler-free section. Like, all right, whether you should see this or not. Like, if you're on a budget, you can only see so many movies a year. Don't don't see this thing. Wait for it to be on streaming if that's your situation. If you can afford to go see whatever movie you want to, I I think you can have a good time with it. And we've talked a lot 
you know, in, in film discourse, like going into a movie with expectations and having unrealistic expectations and that kind of painting your experience. But this was kind of the exact opposite for me where I went in with (laughs) such low expectations that like the film, I was expecting it to be bad, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'll say this. It was not the worst of the Sony Spidey adjacent films that I've seen. I think that spot is reserved for Venom. Let there be uh, carnage. I think this was better than Mm. that. And I don't think Dakota Johnson was the worst part of this movie. She's not great, but she was not the, and actually she was the best part of this movie. She provides the most entertaining moments in this movie, whether that was on purpose or not. That's that's what happens. No, I don't agree with that. Okay. I think she is wooden and terrible and like almost any other actress would be better in her role. Okay. Like I think this movie Okay, if you're not weighing this movie against other Marvel movies, if this was not the era of Marvel, mm-hmm. if that if we were not comparing this to Endgame and like anything else made by Marvel Studios. Sure. Uh and instead comparing it to final destination. Okay. And like, we're going to make a final destination style horror adventure, but then kind of with a superhero skin on top of it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good movie. Okay. Like it's like, it's, it's like a fine movie that could like live in its own little space of that sort of like level of like, those movies aren't expected to have great acting. They're not expected to have like, great connectivity and like wonderful thinking about the world building and universe. They're sort of just like, Hey, I'm going to watch people. Somebody try to murder. Like there's a, there's a killer on the loose. He gets to murder the main characters like six times. Mm-hmm. It actually would have been bet Like if they'd got leaned into that and gone a little more horror and he really murdered them, like instead of just snapping their necks every single time, like right. if he had murdered them in interesting ways and stuff, this would have felt like that. Sure. Um, but instead it sort of rides the line in between. I think if Dakota Johnson had not been in the lead of this movie, it would have been a fine and serviceable outing in the Sony verse. Okay. Dakota Johnson is, I think, utter trash in this movie. Okay. I hope for her sake that that is because she was thinking of this as a paycheck and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Because if this is the level of her acting, I I am so I never really tell like talk too specifically about a certain actor's quality sure. but it feels insulting the how bad she does in this movie okay. and it makes me feel like she's phoning it in mm-hmm. which as a comic book movie fan makes me feel like she's undervaluing what's going on and like mm. not really caring and that makes me mad at her <laughs> I, I think that's a fair criticism and and i will say like her phoning it in i think you're right about that. But I guess what I gathered is like at a, at a certain point in the filmmaking process here. And, and I will say like, it's, it's very evident that like this film went under, underwent some extensive like reworking. Like there's ADR, like yes, such noticeable ADR. Like they didn't even try to like hide yep. it. Um, but I think at a certain point they just kind of realized like, Hey, she's phoning in and we just kind of have to lean into that. And when I, when I, recognized that and accepted that that's when I started to have some fun with the movie. I won't go as far to say it's like one of those. It's so bad. It's good. 
but I, I, that's where I still had fun with it. Like I found myself rolling my eyes, shaking my head. Kind of the audience was kind of reacting in similar ways to me. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I can say too much more without getting into spoiler territory. But yeah, this we movie should probably is flawed, go ahead and spoilers. Glaring, glaring flaws. Like, and I think the script first and foremost is one of the the biggest problems. All of the characters are pretty much underdeveloped. But I still had fun with it on on some level. Yes. Um. I will even say the movie made me cry oh, wow. at a certain point. Wow. Like I got emotionally invested in this wow, movie. Okay. So there are moments of real art in this movie mm-hmm. and real attempts at good storytelling. Mm. And there are some characters that I absolutely loved their portrayals. Um, particularly Adam Scott is great. Just great in the movie. Um, I, I think he's really, really awesome. I think the trio of girls that also appear, and I think in the trailers, it's all clear that they're like spider people or future spider people or whatever. Yeah. Um, the trio of girls, I actually think every one of them is doing a good job with their roles. There's some other problems that we'll get into it in the spoiler section, but like, yeah, I think they're all like when they're just like quipping and laughing and making jokes, sure. I buy, they made me laugh out loud at things that were supposed to be funny, like right. multiple times. I laughed out loud a lot in this movie, but they actually made me laugh out loud at things that were supposed to be funny. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I do. I still maintain that they're all pretty poorly written for my purposes, sure. but the, the performances were there. Um, yeah. So that's, that's why I think like, if this movie had been centered on someone else, mm-hmm. uh, it could have been much, much better. Yeah. Um, and that goes for not only her, but also the antagonist. Oh. And I don't, I think it's less his fault oh. because of all of the, of all of the characters, yeah. the, the villain, his lines are 80 yard oh, almost yes. exclusively. Oh, yeah. Almost every single line he says is ADR, which for those at least eighty. You don't know, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. I, I said ninety to my friend. Okay, out of the theater. Yeah. Uh, I was like, so I'm right there with you. 90 percent. It's like yeah. all like this. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, ADR is additional dialogue recording. It's when you go in and record dialogue that was not recorded when the actual scene was recorded, and a lot of times they mix it in really well. This was not mixed in well. And it was really obvious because it's always when his back is turned. He said he says all of his lines when his back is turned because oh, they're yeah. trying to fit them in. And it is t- it so so my guess, this is just this is speculation, but my guess is they changed a lot of his story yes. in post. They like had some other motivation or other goals or other whatever. And I think that's probably true for a couple of reasons, but like then they changed all that and they had him do all his ADR and it's just like, so his portrayal makes kind of no sense with what he's saying. It like doesn't yeah. line up. So your two main driving characters are terrible. Yeah. Uh, like Dakota Johnson's putting in a terrible performance and he is just like a weird conglomeration of ADR and live action acting yeah. and sort of cheesy directing too. Like the directing is pretty cheesy. In sure. This, uh, sure. I think sure, overall. Sure. Yeah, I, I I can't really get into you know details before we get into the spoiler section regarding the, the why they went with ADR. But when I said Dakota Johnson was not the worst part of this movie, I was talking about that performer Tahar Rahim as uh, oh, yeah. as Ezekiel Sims. He was the worst part of this movie, and and you know out outdoing Dakota Johnson is 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 
quite an effort. <laughs> I agree that his performance is terrible, yeah. but because of the ADR situation, give I'm him giving pass. him a little bit of like, yeah. okay, maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it is. Maybe they ADR'd it because the lines, other lines were even worse. You know, like <laughs> it's it's possible. I uh, yeah, <laughs> but all the like. All the stuff where they they put in so many lines when his back is turned to the screen or or something wa- something passes in front of his face and that's when he decides to talk. Uh-huh. They did that so much it made me feel like his actual performance we don't even see because we it, you barely see him actually speak lines. It's like every four scenes he says a line. Like I guess that line worked for both versions of this movie. Um, so okay, we're gonna get into spoilers. All right, and there's actually some fun, cool spoiler stuff to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, uh. Oh, I'll say this okay. before we get into non-spoiler because I, I know people won't listen to the spoiler section. I did really, as much as I think this movie is bad, it, it's at least not good. Right. It still kind of made me more excited for the Sony universe. Okay. Like it doesn't make sense because I think the Sony it shows that they're still not making good movies, but like they're weaving a thing together they're building out a world and like showing us more corners of it. And I kind of, I did. It excited me. It excited me to see like, maybe these, some of these characters will show up in a venom or a Craven or whatever. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get into the spoiler section, let me tell you guys about fume F U M that's fume. Uh, it is really hard to break bad habits, but one thing you can do to significantly increase your chances is replace it with a good habit. And Fume is an innovative, award-winning, flavored air device that does just that. There's no vapor. It's flavored air. There's no electronics. It's just completely natural. And there's no harmful chemicals, just delicious flavor. So you just breathe in your Fume and take in the really nice flavors. It freshens your breath a little bit. It's very nice. Um, It tastes wonderful. And uh, you're replacing... Old, bad habits you're trying to get rid of with new ones. It also helps with the fidgety nature you can have. Sometimes when you're trying to break a bad habit, you can find yourself just feeling anxious, stressed about it, and just having a uh, a, a device that's designed to not only uh, deliver that flavored air, but also to fidget with. It's really nice. It has like nice clicky sounds when you spin the little dial, and uh, it's really, really nice. So if that's something you're trying to do this year, replace old bad habits with good ones. Give it a try. Start the year off right with The Good Habit by going to tryfume.com universe and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of this show 10% off when they use my code universe to help make starting The Good Habit much easier. Try fum.com slash universe and use code universe. Okay, so now let's move into the spoiler section. Where do we begin? Oh, man. There's so many places to begin. <laughs> man, I loved seeing Ben Parker. Okay. And, okay. and Mary Parker and the whole, like, this is one thing about that whole thing. Like, it's distracting a little bit from this movie they're trying to make about uh, Madam Web having uh-huh. spite having baby Spider-Man in the belly the whole movie. Like, that's right. that's distracting. But also, whatever uh, other thing that was distracting is, I don't believe they can use Peter Parker as a character 
in these movies. I think part of their deal with the MCU, this is sort of speculation, but it's been something that I've noted for a long time. I think okay. part of the reason we don't see a Peter Parker in these Sony movies is because they are sharing the rights of the MCU to put Peter Parker in the MCU. I don't think the MCU is allowing them to then use it. That's why we haven't seen a May or a Peter, because they're the two characters they're using over there. Right, right. Um, and, and in this movie, there were lots of opportunities to show May. They never did. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, you have Adam Scott as Ben Parker saying he's seeing a woman, but he won't even say the name. I think she even yeah. asks him, like, what's what's this one's name? And he's just like, he decides to keep that one to himself. Yeah, well, and that's, what's, that's what I was about to say. They do the same thing with Peter. They bring up Peter. They have him born and never say his name because I don't think they legally can. They played a baby guessing a baby guessing name. Like, yes, they never yes. get to it. <laughs> and I thought that that was going to lead to her using her powers and her going Peter, and it'd be like a little clip, little clue to her future knowing powers. Uh, like I thought okay. that was going to be the thing, but then it wasn't. What right. I did love about that whole Peter thing was the culmination of it. Because she is saving all these future spider people as Madam Web, which is like a thing she does as Madam Web. She's like orchestrating the Spider-Verse. Right. But unbeknownst to all the other characters in the movies, she is saving Peter Parker, too. Like that fight scene at the end when she drives off the uh, the ambulance and knocks over uh, uh, Ezekiel right. Sims. Like she's saving Peter too, because mm-hmm. that car was going to blow up in her vision and kill all of them. So yeah. she's saving not just the three that she's after, but she's also saving Peter Parker. That's a fun little detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it was fun to to skate around those, and uh, you know, having you know Adam Scott portray Ben Parker and then uh, Emma Roberts as Aunt May, like that was kind of mm. like stunt casting that I didn't really see coming out of uh out of anywhere there but uh, right before we we got done with the non-spoiler section you talked about how like this movie has so many places it could go is it going to be connected to venom is it going to be connected to to um craven or or what have you and like that was actually one of my issues with the movie it seems so non-committal it seems so nebulous it was like we don't want to like you know make any direct references to even our own sony verse because we don't know how this thing is going to be received and we want to have the freedom to just say like this thing was completely on its own and not uh connected in any way shape or form and i i would even level that criticism towards like you know the comparison to final destination i agree with you like had it in, embraced that a little bit more i think it would have made for a better film but it just rode that line like right there in the middle and um in that sense i think that's one of the the movie's biggest sins like that's where i i said i was able to have fun with it that is that is where like i say dakota johnson is the best part like when she just starts giving those wooden lines that are just so ridiculous i was like okay like that's that's what we're here for. I, I'm ready for it. Let's have some fun with this thing. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that that was fun. I did not find her fun at all. Yeah. I just found her just, just terrible. Like, not even fun. But here's the thing. Uh-huh. And this goes into the whole, like, making me excited for the future of Sony. Okay. Her wooden, like, lifeless, out of like completely non-present performance mm-hmm. as Madam Web works really well once she is this like multiversal being that sees all and knows all. You know what I mean? See, I 
I feel the complete opposite. I was like, when she made that change and was like this clairvoyant detached, like I, I see why you might think that would, that would play to her strengths, but I just didn't buy it at all. I was like, now this is unbelievable beforehand when she was just kind of like, they painted her as like, Oh, this is Cassie. She doesn't like anything. Like she's awkward. And it's like, yeah, I'm not really buying that, but it was like, I, I don't know. She just embraced it so much. Like I think about like, the scene where she fed the stray cat and like we we talk about save the cat scene and this like felt like it was trying to do that but couldn't even do that like she's like mm-hmm. we strays have to stick together but then when a yeah. kid tries to offer her like a thank you letter she doesn't know how to receive that yeah they uh they set her character up as this just like she's an orphan and she doesn't want anyone to believe that she wants to be connected to people, but still she did go home and save that picture. Like mm-hmm. they did so many, it was so hit you over the head with who she was. Like it was so non subtle. Right. And they, they like said so many things that they had already shown. Yeah. Like they've already shown the thing. And then she's the whole like, or us, us strays got to stick together thing. Like, that's implied. She's sure. not spending time with anyone in the world because she feels like she doesn't want to be around people with family. She keeps talking about knocking roped into things. Yeah. Da, da, da. But she'll spend time with this, like, and, and also non committal time. Like, she'll open the window and let the stray cat in to drink some milk. Like, she's not going to, like, commit to having a cat in her house. You know what I mean? Right, like, there's, right, right. there's this very, it's already said. You don't have to say, let us stray stick together. There's so many lines like that in the movie that like she and it's almost always from her and it's mm-hmm. it's like they wrote her character intentionally poorly i don't know what is going on and i don't know if like in the moment she's improvising lines where because like a lot of the lines were comp- so unnecessary from her right where she would like say the point of the scene after she'd already played the scene and it was really frustrating I, I agree. There were a couple of instances where it felt like the scene was over and they just let the hang, the camera hang on her for a second longer because they're like, we're going to get something good. Let's just like milk this. Like I, I think about when she's driving the ambulance and uh, she has the first interaction with, um, you know, one of the, the future spider women and she flips her mm-hmm. off. And she's like, who flips off an ambulance? And it's like, that didn't need to be said. That felt like totally. I thought that exact thing. <laughs> like that's the point of the scene that we already saw. <laughs> this girl has like problems with authority. She got in the way of an ambulance, then she flicked it off. Like yeah. it's, we we get who that character is by the actions that have already been shown on screen. Having Dakota Johnson say who flips off an ambulance is so dumb. Yeah, <sighs> she's so it's disaffected by the world. Like Don't you feel that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I. I agree with your assertion earlier that all of the three spider people, the uh, spider ladies that mm-hmm. she's she's uh, saving, are underdeveloped, mm-hmm. and that's like the biggest sin of this movie is like the characters that I found charismatic and interesting were all like not the point of the movie. Like, yeah. the, they're all just like they're the MacGuffin. You know what I mean? Like, they're not characters. They're just someone she's supposed to save. But I care. They're on screen for like five seconds, and I cared more about them than I cared about her. Sure, sure, sure. They're funny. They're like the the whole thing about them being kidnapped and like the, the them just like arguing with each other and like picking on each other. Like it worked. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of a uh, Harley Quinn and the Fantabulous whatever. 
the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley. It was the birds. That's it. it. Yeah. The birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Right. Yes. Um, that movie. It's called Birds of Prey, but it's not. It's a sure. Harley Quinn movie sure. where they established the Birds of Prey. This movie felt like v- very similar. It's like mm-hmm. f- four females, except at the center of it, instead of having the full of life Harley Quinn, you have a lifeless <laughs> Dakota Johnson. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's like an inverted Harley Quinn uh, or, you know, Birds of Prey. <laughs> like no life, no style to the directing. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. really pretty. Uh, it's pretty atrocious. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah. I, I, I did see some cool stuff in it though. I enjoyed Ezekiel Sims when he was in the suit. Um, sure, seeing sure using Spider Man basically like or like the iconography of Spider Man as like a murderous villain who's just like after you was right. kind of effective, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, no, I agree with you, but had there been any backstory or explanation, mm-hmm. like how did he get the suit? Why does he wear the suit? Why did he want the spider in the first place? Like you get one line of dialogue from him. Like I had, yeah, I had a tough upbringing. Okay. Like, so that justifies <laughs> you murdering a woman in cold blood. And it's like, why did the spider yeah. women want to kill him in the future? I mean, yeah, he's a bad guy, but what exactly did he do? that like put him in their their sights and like i will say the way that they dispatch him didn't really feel all that heroic either it kind of felt like a brutal murder in that sense i kind of like i wasn't on his side but i could kind of understand like right. that did feel like a nightmare that he woke up from and would want to want to prevent yes 100 percent. like i actually found his motivation of like not wanting to be killed by the spider women in the future i actually found that a little effective okay um sure the the idea of a of a villain who's just driven mad by like the uh, vision of his death that just keeps coming to him every night in his dreams. Like that's a, that's a cool villain origin story of sorts. But again, we talked about how, like, I think they changed the plot of that a lot. Yeah. They also have his assistant in the movie. Yes. Who I, I forget the actress's name right now. She's wonderful. She's a, Plays the plays on girls. Uh, Zosia Mamet. She played Shoshana on girls. Yeah. I love her on girls. And here it was great to see her. And she had a great presence on screen and is an actress that people really, she has like her, she has a following. Like I thought, I thought that was going to go somewhere. Agreed. So like, even if it went somewhere as in like, she's the post credit sequence, like they kill Ezekiel and now she's just like, watchtower lady with all the information like and she's finding out about craven or or venom or something like that like i was looking for some connection there but she just disappears from the story there's also this whole thing that like uh ezekiel is going around murdering women like that's his whole thing (laughs) He, he they also make a like whole thing where he has sex with this nsa agent and then murders her uh promises not to to get information and then murders her immediately like it's just a really dark scene mm-hmm. uh and the fact that they have sex right before feels even, just real invasive and gross yeah. it really like sets his character up on this ugh, ugh, this, this guy right. um but uh uh so so he's just going around murdering him so i thought for sure that one of two things was going to happen he was going to get fed up and angry with her and murder right. her or 
she was going to, because she looked really concerned throughout that she, he was going to murder. Like eventually, she would see him for who he was and turn on him. Yeah. Like that's what I kept looking for out of the, their relationship. But instead, she just disappears three fourths of the way through, and you never see her. Yeah, again. I, I wholeheartedly agree. She was a standout for me. Maybe like five minutes of screen time, if that. But in those five minutes, mm-hmm. she made me care about her and everything you're bringing up. Yes, I was more concerned for her well-being than I ever was any of the spider people. I have to say because <laughs> like I, I just felt that menace from him. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, it was it was kind of a shame that we just like left that character high and dry she really felt like she was you know uh conflicted about like oh i'm gonna enable this guy to be able to kill these teenage girls but obviously he was paying her enough that it made it you know lucrative to her so yeah it would have been nice to explore a little bit of that and i think that is where you know like we, we've been pretty critical of this movie but i it, you've you've i think you more so than i but there are like these flashes of kind of like brilliance and like you talked a little bit about the director and yeah i don't think the direction is strong here but i think there are like there, those moments here and there. So I, I hope for S.J. Clarkson, like you know, this isn't the end all be all for her because it's not a great movie. But I do hope she gets some some opportunities. Yeah, I, I think overall this movie is uninspired directorially. Okay, um, it is serviceable. Yeah, like it's fine for well, except for Dakota Johnson. <laughs> and I think that's the thing about like for whatever reason. Dakota Johnson is a star. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and like that gives her the clout to not be directed, probably. Like, I don't know. Like, I have a feeling like she just doesn't seem like she's in the same room with everybody else. The the other actresses are all like playing off each other. They have a rhythm. They feel like they've rehearsed together. Mm-hmm. And like Dakota Johnson is just like throwing these wooden lines out. And it's like she's stopping the rhythm. It's just, it's completely not, it, it, it's just, it's just not compatible with everything else that's going on. Mm. And so I wonder if this director, I wonder if they, they, they meddled and changed the story a lot because the disappearance of Amaria uh, in the middle of the movie, uh, the, the, the tech lady who's helping Ezekiel right. and Ezekiel's constant ADRing of his lines mm-hmm. really makes me wonder if like, the Ezekiel story was originally just completely different. And then they like had to do, they wanted to fix it or do something different with it. Um, there was, there was a lot of speculation when this movie was, uh, trailers were coming out that Ezekiel was actually going to end up being some multiversal person or something like that. And I'm wondering if that's true. Like maybe, you know, all the stuff with the murder, his murder in the future, like that could have all been like, Stuff they invented. So much is ADR that like it seems like they could have completely changed the plot here. And it's it's weird. Yeah, I think you're right on the money with that. Like I, I Dakota Johnson's been on record talking about how much the script changed from the time that she signed on for the project for you know to where we're at today. So uh certainly underwent some extensive uh some extensive changes mid production, but um I can't help but you know, think about some other, you know, issues I have with the movie. And that's just like some of the like leaps in logic and some of the like Mm. actions that just don't make sense for human characters. So like Dakota Johnson's character again, Cassie Webb here, like, uh, yeah, she does not want to be committed to a family. She's like slowly, but surely warming up to the idea of a found family. But there are a couple of times where she just leaves these girls in the woods in a hotel or whatever. And, and, you know, just like leaves them to their own devices 
And then she one of the times is is it doesn't actually happen though. I, I I thought the same thing halfway through the movie. Uh-huh. But she she leaves them in the hotel room, and you're like, "What is going? Why are you doing this again? You just left them in the." But then it ends up being like she ends up waking it back up in the hotel. Oh, room. you're right, you're right. But that's the one where she goes and has like a dream connection with Ezekiel. That's right. That's in the right. in the diner. So that one did actually. But I I thought the same thing when it happened. I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Um. But they did fix that. Okay. Okay. Good. Good to know. But then I was thinking, like later on in the movie, she doesn't do it the same way, but she's still effectively like, you're, we're led to believe this whole movie is happening within the span of like you know days and hours. Like she's, you know, abducted these girls. She's in the headlines. Mm-hmm. Like people are looking for her, but then she's able to just stop and leave for a week to go to Peru, and it's just it's no big right? deal. <laughs> Yeah, how did she like get on a plane? <laughs> how was she not flagged yeah. for no or, like the no fly list when she's like? Well, I, I guess uh, I, I'll to see. Sorry, Mister Head. Okay, Canada, oh, right I here. love it. Bring it. They never did have her identity. Oh, okay. Okay. They had. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, right. they knew. They just knew woman some woman, early thirties, whatever. Woman in mid thirties is all they knew. Now Ezekiel did, and he even says, "Yeah." I, Sorry, sorry to fix the headcanon with headcanon, but like the they this actually doesn't even headcanon because he says the police don't even have this technology. I can find them. Uh, it's because he has this NSA technology. That's how he figures out who this lady is. Right, and he also has seen her up close, and the others just have like a vague woman in her thirties kidnap these women. Okay. So like, are these girls? Another thing that like this is, I hate to, yeah get annoyed by this because it it feels like piling on, but I did not buy. I think the reason they cast these three as the spider women, I think is because they wanted to be able to use them in their other Sony verse movies in connection. Cause this is 2003. They're supposed to be in high school, like 20 years in the future. They're supposed to be in like mid thirties doing all kinds of fun stuff with, Venom and Car and <laughs> Venom and Craven and whoever sure. else, you know, right? I think that's why they did sure. that. And they did try to age them down purely through clothing, uh, which I don't know. I can ignore it, but it's the the fact that they are older than they look, like, or that they don't look. They look older than they are in the movie, right? Um. And Dakota Johnson does not look significantly older than them to the point that like throughout the whole movie, they're making jokes about her being an old lady. Mm. And I'm like, why did you cast to go to Dakota Johnson in this movie? Why did you not cast like Madam Webb in the comics is gray headed. Like, why did you not cast an older woman to play this role? And then if you, if, if it's because you wanted a young, whatever focus, the story more on the like heroes the 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 spider women like this was stupid (laughs) yeah and i I think that just speaks to a um you know a a general lack of i'm struggling for the right word here but uh, uh, respect is kind of what's coming to mind here like preciousness for the source material that sony tends Mm -hmm. to have like the fact that they have like the audacity to be putting out like spider-man movies without spider-man in the first place yeah that's mistake number one but then yeah madam webb she is an elderly woman attached to like a a life support system in the comics and we just want an attractive you know young woman uh for for these movies so yeah they kind of went into it with the the wrong intentions yeah i i agree and yeah dakota johnson is six years older 
than Sydney Sweeney. Okay. Like, they're just not, the, the ages aren't different enough for it to feel, okay, I'm sorry, eight years older. Okay. Um, 34 and 26. Mm. It just feels like she's supposed to be in her, like, mid to late 30s, and they're supposed to be in their, like, 15, and it just doesn't, it doesn't, well, it doesn't work. Sydney Sweeney in particular, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be the case, but she's supposed to be, like, played as, like, you know, more naive and innocent than the other two girls. So, like, it, it yes. really, her character, like, Sydney Sweeney is a great performer. And, uh, uh, you know, of the three, I thought, uh, I don't know, I still struggle here because it's, it's just tough. But I thought she she had the most heavy lifting to do in terms of, like, trying to have some dramatic chops there. Um, but, but yeah. Huh. You think she had heavier lifting as in, like, the material was bad and she had to... S- what, what did you mean? Uh, just in terms of, like, I guess having more... Uh, trying to have more of a character arc in terms of, like, you know, initially feeling complic- conflicted and unsure of herself, but then kind of being influenced by these girls to, you know, explore sexuality yeah. and be a little more carefree and, and capable. Uh, I just felt like there yeah. was more to grab onto there than some of the other girls. Like the one girl, she was rich and entitled and kind of unlikable, and she never really shook that. Maybe she became a little more likable, but she kind of she wore that on her sleeve and it worked. And then uh, like Isabel uh, Merced's character in particular, I, I thought she was really, really underdeveloped. Like we had the one scene mm-hmm. about like her landlord trying to collect rent, and then she told us the story behind that. But outside of that, there was nothing. Yeah, and that story was compelling uh, and made me feel sure, for sure, her. Sure. But, like, it, to your point, they all are characters, but they don't have arcs. Yes. None yes. of them, including Sydney Sweeney, something that, like, they had, and I don't know if it was, like, an attempt to not make it over-sexualized, because it is, like, a line to walk, especially, like, having seen Sydney Sweeney in, like, Euphoria, like, to have her in all these situations where it's, like, it's a bad and kind of weird and gross situation, but they also sexualize it a lot. Sure. And it's like, it's an uncomfortable thing. And I don't want to think they wanted to do that with this movie. Um, and didn't want to like, whatever, affix it through the male gaze or whatever. Um, but like, I still, the scene where like, she wants to meet the boys uh-huh. and starts going over to see the boys and they cut away to Dakota Johnson. For like the whole time that inter exchange is going on and they come back in the diner and they're dancing on the tables. I was like, that's a stupid character way to tell me this character's moment. Yeah. This is a character moment, or it could have yeah. been. And they just like jumped from her not wanting to go talk to boys to her dancing on a table. And they do show that scene later, but that's out of order. Yeah. It should they should have shown it- us her reacting to the girl trying to pull her onto the table sure. and her us not sure if she was going to do it or not and how she was going to respond to this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even when they do go back and like show how that scene kind of played out, like it's, it's still like a, an extreme leap in logic. Like I don't buy that these girls are not intelligent to know that they're on the run. Their lives are in danger. They should not yes. be engaging in an activity like that. But that being said, the first scene where you you don't have any of that explained when it does jump from Dakota Johnson to them on the table, that was one of those, like, it was so ridiculous that it, it was entertaining to me in the moment. It was just like, where are we going with this movie? This makes no sense, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, yeah, this movie, man, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I, I think overall, just bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's some shining moments. The moment that made me cry. Okay. 
um, her finding out her mother's motivation. I didn't expect okay. it. I didn't expect them to have like a real character centered moment at the center of this movie and make it a surprise. Mm. Um, the fact that her mother was doing what she was doing to save her daughter, recontextualizing her own memory of her, not, not lack of memory of her mother and what her mother's like, instead of her mother being selfish, mm-hmm. her mother was sacrificial. And it like, that's a very powerful idea. The idea of like learning who your parents were and like, recontextualizing them as human beings and like seeing the things that they went through. And like, sometimes we only see it through our own eyes, but then you recontextualize as you get older and go, Oh yeah, my dad was an asshole, but this is why, or my mom was hard on me, but this is why. And I, you kind of understand it as you get older. And I think that was a really powerful moment. And I, I cried, I cried when she's like getting it. (laughs) Sorry. I'm getting a little clamped. So so the power of that moment is like really, it really is like even now when she's getting a chance to hug her mother and she can reach through time, which is a, a power they don't talk about, but we know from comics, she's like multiversal. She can reach out th- to the multiverse through time and space and do all kinds of right. stuff. So in that moment, she's getting her first chance to do that. And it's actually character driven and it's actually powerful. And like when she gets to hug her mother mm. And tell her mother that it all worked out. Like that was, that was powerful. Yeah, that, that's a good call out. It was definitely the most compelling character moment that she had. But um, you know, I, I I can't help but think about like you talking about her her ability to do that. And I, I you know, for the film's faults, I I did think it was um, effectively communicated that that was she, what she was doing. I guess her mentor, for lack of a better term, from like the Las Arañas, the the spider people of the Amazon. I think he told her like she would have that capability if she if she really unleashed her, her full potential. She said, he, I don't think he says time travel, but he says, or anything, but he two says places like at once or multiple places, at two once. places at yeah. once, which is the thing she does at the yeah. end, but reaching through time is a whole different, uh, sure. thing. I mean, she can see the future in these little glimpses and toward the end, she starts seeing more of the future okay. and being able to actually direct her path and see like, I, that, that's another cool thing. I love that scene when she finally gets control of her power and she's walking through that firework factory, it was a really silly but effective ending when she's like, there's all this industrial strength fireworks, which like, I don't know. That's weird. But um, <laughs> well, it's, just, it's a weird, it's a, che- it's a cheesy and stupid ending, yeah. but it's also fun to watch when she's like, just walking around doing everything right. It feels like that, like God mode in a video game when you get so good at it and you're like just blocking everything and you know where everything's coming from. And that felt really fun and like satisfying at the end of the movie. Sure. It was a cool sequence, but uh, again, just, I can't help but like go back to the powers and I credit where credit's due. I do think her powers were a little more well-defined than, than some of the other ones, but like, Again, we did not get to spend the marketing. I will say the marketing like kind of like led us to believe we were going to be spending at least some significant time with these spider people. That is that is not the case at all. You see them in one in one potential future, but or, or may, maybe two. But uh, at any rate, the the powers that we see on display make no sense to me whatsoever. We don't see any actually any actual webbing or anything like like Sydney Sweeney's character is emitting like webs of light or like you know energy that yeah, looks like, like like 
Madam Web taps taps into in her her mind space. I, I did not know what was going on there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about tapping into it. I don't know what you mean there. But yeah, different spider people have different abilities. Like Miles Morales has like electrical powers, um, and and invisibility powers, right? So like, there's there's some different powers you can have, and uh, I, I'm okay with that. But I guess like I at first I thought they were gonna go with like the the plot I thought we were getting just from like the first thirty minutes of this movie yeah. and where it ended. I thought we were going gonna end up going for like he's trying to just stop these people from killing him in the future, but he ends up creating them. Like I thought that's what was gonna be sure. like the the sort of like loop nature of this movie where like because he they're around him they end up breaking into his house and getting bit by the spider or whatever okay. like that's what but that, that doesn't really make any sense because they're all their powers are different they're nothing like the powers that are given by the spider exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah so th- i guess they get powers at some point completely differently yeah I, I guess to explain myself a little better a little bit better when i was talking about like tapping into like so when we got a couple of sequences where madam webb is kind of in her mind space and she sees all these like you know webs and fractures and she can kind of follow these these threads and like i, I think of like two sequences where like the thread she decides to pursue kind of like lights up and she can follow that mm-hmm. i don't know I, I felt when like sydney sweeney was doing her web slinging for lack of a better term like it looked like a similar kind of like beam of light that was kind of like a thread that was illuminated oh, and like okay. followed a, a, a course like that i don't know i gotcha i guess i assumed and i may be completely wrong in this assumption that the reason their powers were what they were in the future is because they were just trying to make them like their comic book counterparts i have no idea if that's right like i don't i don't know anything about these three particular spider people in comics but i know there's like a vast array of spider people (laughs) so i'm assuming that these characters in comic have similar powers but i don't know that might be wrong but i did not take that that way when she's starts reaching out through the webbing and like seeing the different futures i think that was just her like i think it was just visual uh, issue of like the visual language being similar okay sure because it's uh, there's everything's webbing yeah if you look through broken windshields in this movie it's all webbing the window pane is webbing yeah. when baby Spider-Man is like been born. They cut to a shot from above and the curtains of the bed frame look like webbing. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Um, they, they all kind of, so I think there was just like a, a thing of like, yeah, the electricity looks like webbing, but so does her visions, but so does everything else in this movie. Yeah. Well, you mentioning Peter or, or baby Spider-Man, I should say, because we never get that, that name officially, but I I do have to (laughs) mention a a couple of things that that brings to mind. So every Spider-Man movie has to have the line about like with great power comes great responsibility, right? Yeah. We get the inversion of that this time, but it makes no sense. It, it, destroys the line it says when you take the responsibility you will be given great power that is the opposite of what ben ben's lesson is uh, i agree completely agree yeah. it's an inversion and it's not it does not mean the same thing it what i think it is trying to do is give this idea of like even if you feel small step up and believe that the power will be there. You know what I mean? Like do the right thing because the, you will have, you will have more power than you realize or like something, something of that nature, which I do think is a powerful message, 
but it isn't the Spider-Man message. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah. Uh, maybe it's a worthwhile message, but it, it feels like it's like, do the right thing and you'll get rewarded for it. Whereas like the Spider-Man message oh, is like, doing the right thing's not easy, but you have the burden of responsibility to do that because you have gifts that others don't have. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's definitely not the same yeah, lesson yeah. for sure. I, I took it. I, I guess I took it a lot more uh, charitably. Sure, okay. But like, I still think that y- it's it's definitely different. Sure. Um, it actually brings me to. It brings to mind something that the movie also brought to mind. Um, I have this year become a parent, mm. and uh, like as you step up and take on responsibility, as those types of things that feel so all-encompassing mm-hmm. you know it kind of feels like you just can't do it and but then you do it you just have because you have sure. to you okay. know like okay. you, you have to go to work and you have to go to get them to school and you have to make sure they're doing this while you handle your own life like our lives feel so full that all the time i think everyone feels like their life is full sure. and then like when you decide to take on a responsibility and step up, even if it feels impossible, sometimes just you just have to hope that the you the power is there. Yeah, no, and and again, that is a worthwhile message. That's a a good message. I guess I've just like framed it a little bit differently in my mind. Like when I think about that message, I when I say it to myself, it's like, what's the next right thing I can do? What's what's putting my best foot forward? What does that look like? Even if it's not the easiest thing to do, I know it's going to pay off in dividends in the end. Uh, mm. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, um, I, I guess I didn't think of the powers as I didn't think of the power as a reward, but as it, it's, it's, it's there, there, there's a phrase that people used in in the Christian community when I was okay. going to church, and it was uh, "Don't pray for a lighter load, pray for a stronger back." Okay, it was something that like would people would say. Um, sure. And like I, th- that's the way I took it. it. Was like you're not getting a reward, you're getting you. You're getting the power to do the thing that you stepped up to do, so don't okay. be scared to step up. That's how, okay. that's that's the way I took it. But yeah, like it, it's, my, it's a, as you said, mileage may vary. No, no, no. It's a it's a good read on it. I can appreciate that. But uh, the other thing I wanted to hone in on with uh, with Baby Spider Man there is when Uncle Ben gets to interact with his his nephew, and you know mm-hmm. I, I think it's May that says you know he gets to have all the fun without any of the responsibility. And I know Madam yeah. Webb, who is clairvoyant at this point, says that's yes. what he thinks. So she knows her good friend yep. is going to die. And yes, she is protecting Peter Parker throughout this, or you know, Baby Spider Man throughout this movie. But I don't. It just like did not ring true to me the fact that she would just like let her friend die with kind of like a smirk or a smile on her face. Like that is a tragic thing to like play so lightly. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't think about him dying. He dies when he's much older, though. But so she it's has kind to of know thing. still. Yeah, I mean, but she knows everyone dies, right? Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> I, I had a very different experience of that line, and okay. it was again to do with my current experience of becoming a parent of my niece. Okay. Um, being because she said that line. Um, oh, he gets to be an uncle, and he said, and she says, "All the fun, none of the responsibility." And I in the theater laughed because. Of my own personal experience of being an uncle yeah, and sure. taking on a kid, and uh, and then they say he says, uh, she says that's what he thinks, and then I realize like, oh, that's what Uncle Ben did, you know, like that made me feel like oh, I get to kind of be Uncle Ben for Skylar, you know, like that was okay. that was a nice moment. So I had a very different experience of that line. I wasn't judging it that way. I was okay. I was living in it because I was like, oh, that's I get to, I'm I'm 
kind of doing that thing and that's kind of weird to think about i i think that's that's fair and it kind of like illustrates a point for me that i think can kind of be leveled at this this movie all along there are things that work there but it's just like mm. i don't feel like, like they gave it the time or the attention or like it it didn't feel like this like really like they sat this in front of like a, a test audience or anything like that and got feedback about the way certain things were playing because it's like yeah the, those moments are there but they can be like interpreted both ways and i like yeah because there was a line if i'm not mistaken where ben was like you know i don't want to get shot in queens just like you don't want to get shot in queens and it's like but he does get shot in queens and we know I mean, <laughs> yeah she knows that like, <laughs> yeah. yeah well i think he says it, it says they don't get shot in queens it's something about getting shot and he says you never been shot at in queens something which like is that. like yeah, yeah. yeah which is a reference for, I, I didn't get catch that at the moment but yeah you're right he does get shot in queens um that's funny Oh, yeah, I I I think of this movie, all the Uncle Ben stuff worked most for me, probably because Adam Scott is just great. Oh, yeah. And like yeah. man, and he's an age he's playing a little young in this movie than what he actually is, I think. Like mm-hmm. he is an age where he could like gray up his hair a little bit. He could play an Uncle Ben for one of these Peter Parkers, you know, whatever if they ever figure out the Sony verse way to get a Peter Parker going. Um yeah. <laughs> it's i'd love to see him do more of that um yeah, yeah, he's age appropriate yeah. for marissa tomei that's true that's People true probably won't like that with the, with this movie but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all right well um oh one thing i had to bring up because i noticed it and i don't even know if i'm right but i noticed it and i'm wondering if i'm right uh we talked about her powers expanding being able to travel to different places in the past and future in the comics and multiverse and all that stuff in the grand central station scene. Mm-hmm. I believe it is the scene where Sydney Sweeney's character is buying a ticket in okay. the background directly behind her out of focus. So you cannot see the character. There is a woman in a wheelchair with big wraparound sunglasses. Oh, which makes me think that is Angie gray hair looked like and it makes me think that is a future version of madam webb coming back to orchestrate the first meeting of those girls because she didn't have that power to do so at that point but like it was weird that they all showed up and like they say it at one point like isn't this weird that we're all showing up here and i'm wondering if you watch the movie really closely if there are more instances where they're getting nudges from madam webb of the future or there's other clues to that because that seemed like a reference, but it is out of focus in the background. I want to say she's wearing yellow gray hair, big glasses, similar to Madam Webb in the comics and, uh, and, a, and in a wheelchair. And okay. I was like, I, I did, I did the, uh, Leonardo. Sure. Um, sure. I, I didn't catch that in the moment, but I would not be surprised at all. Like we've talked about how it's, it's really obvious. This movie was, you know, cut and, and re-edited extensively. So, uh, I would not be su- surprised at all if that was the case. And it sounds like that might've made for uh, a better movie actually, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Sony is, is kind of guilty of the same thing as Warner brothers. A lot of the time just being like super uh, reactive and, and not letting things mm-hmm. just run their course. Yeah. And I just feel like they don't let good creative people do their creative thing. They let these movies are being cast based on like who has the most, most like zhuzh in Hollywood and who's 
the most attractive new young actors and actresses who can like come and pull off these parts and get some distraction and get them on social media excited about things instead of like just make a good movie just focus on that then you work on the social media and like all that like i don't know i i think that uh it it sucks that this movie is as bad as it is because i would love to see the sony verse do better i really really would mm. but it's uh it seems like it's dead set on just getting terrible reviews and like doing pretty poorly. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So this is 2023. Spider-Man's born, which means he would get his powers around 15, so around 2018, which is around the Venom time Venom came out. So yeah. if this is in the same universe, which we're not sure of, this could mm-hmm. be a separate uni- separate Sony universe. Um, it, uh, it, it makes me really wonder if like, if they're trying to give like an age appropriate Spider-Man and like 2018 that rules Andrew Garfield out for being mm-hmm. like the 2024. For sure. Yeah. That's the only thing that kind of bummed me out. I was like, yeah, if Spider-Man's born in 2023, they can't use Andrew Garfield anymore. Um, unless they age him down significantly. They, he might be the right age for like right after the second Spider-Man movie or so like it in that era. But I don't think he's the right age for now, Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, no. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I could, weirdly, I could talk about this movie for a couple hours. Um, <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot there. Uh, I don't know if we've missed anything major. Anything, anything, any other major thoughts you got? No, I think I said uh, everything I wanted to say about Madam. Uh, yeah, Madam Webb. Now I can move on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, I just. No, nah, man, it's coming back. All this, okay, that's the one. Okay, that's my last thought. And it's appropriate that it's the last thought. No post credit sequence. Oh, what yeah. are you doing, Sony? Like the one thing I've been saying, all your movies are only serviceable. But like, if that, and the one thing I've been saying on this podcast is that I think there's potential. They've been doing a really good job with the Easter eggs and the references to other movies, and then to have zero in this movie, zero references to Venom. Or um, uh, Morbius, Morbius, or yeah, and she was even a doctor studying spiders. Couldn't she have had like Doctor Morbius's notes on bats or something like that? Like they could easily mix that in there. Oh, that's really good, right there. Actually, like that would have been the perfect post credit scene. You go back to Michael Morbius, and it's like, hey, where did you even get the idea to to look into bats in the first place? Oh, well, there was this doctor that was researching spiders. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Or just like a, a post-credit sequence with uh, Dakota Johnson wheeling up to a desk and being like, it, it's hard because now she's in a, now she's like in her multiversal crazy form. So like, it's not like she needs any more information, but it would have been really interesting if the other version of her before all of that walked up and like pulled up to a desk and was like, so you worked with my mother. And it's like, Yes, I did. It's just Jared Leto as Morbius. Like that's that would have been really great, because that they oh, totally yeah. are working on a very similar thing. Yeah. Uh well. <sighs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, we went for like an hour and a half talking about Madam Web. Everybody, I hope you hope you guys <laughs> found it <laughs> found it enjoyable and not <laughs> not too like like we made we made everyone talk listen to another. Madam Webb's versus uh, like uh, amount of time. 
<laughs> about Madam Web. Well, we had, we had to do a better job than Dakota, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. I'm annoyed there was no post credit sequence for real. Because that was one thing. Though Throughout this movie, I kept thinking about, like, this is not good, but mm-hmm. I could see how it could set up cool things for the future. Her as just, like, the multiversal Madam Web bringing other spider people together to do, do whatever, it would open up the ability to connect all these stories really easily. Mm-hmm. But including, like, bringing in spider-verse people or whatever sure but yeah no it's just it's in the and then they didn't do anything to actually connect it's really really frustrating yeah have you seen aquaman on the lost kingdom yet no and i can't believe that i haven't oh man okay i I will i will save my thoughts then because they are potential spoilers there but i I think you can compare madam web to aquaman and lost lost kingdom um in in several ways i'll just say that okay I'll have to, I'll have to watch it, and then we can like do a podcast on just why those are connected, <laughs> and talk for two hours about it. <laughs> yep. Who are you gonna oh, call? Man. Jay Scotty. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Jay Scotty. Tell the people where they can find you online. Yeah, please check out Multiverse News as well as Animation Deliberation. The podcast takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We got X-Men 97 coming out in March. Ooh, wow. Did it say a date on the on the trailer? March 20th, if wow. I'm not mistaken. Maybe March How 30th. Do- I missed that. Like I watched the trailer and enjoyed it. I missed that it had a date on it. That's that's uh that that would have been good news for good uh information for me to have gleaned seeing as uh, i do this here marvel podcast um all right well uh i guess i guess i guess we've got our next marvel thing coming out indeed march 20th yep official that's exciting all right well we're right we're out of here talk to everybody soon peace until next time true believers yeah Hey, you just listened to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast from Stranded Panda. I really hope you liked it. Let me just say a big thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash mcucast. You are the lifeblood of our little operation here. And a huge, huge thank you to our insanely generous Illuminati tier patrons. Walter Kreisky III, Lieutenant Bongo, and Jazz Viz. You guys are amazing. If you'd like to see our beautiful faces, you can catch a video version of many of our episodes at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. Love you 3000, my friends. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers.